I thought it started at 10. It starts at 8. Damn, guys. We, gotta, we need to get cranking on this because I just realized <laughs> this thing starts at... Uh, oh, wait. That's for... Like early registration or something? No, that's, that's for advanced tickets. What the hell? Advanced ticket booth and time. You're not ready for the advanced ticket. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle 8 a.m. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I figured on getting up about 8. I didn't figure on being there at 8. Yeah, I thought it was 10. It is 10. I don't know what this shit's talking about, the advanced ticket booth. I don't I have no idea what the hell that's talking well, about. Well, that's, that's the ticket booth for the tickets that are smarter than all the other tickets. <laughs> so uh, they get to uh, they t get to take a second, a separate class. And, uh, they get a ticket. They get, uh, they get mocked more, but, you know, whatever. I made a birdhouse out of my ticket. <laughs> made a birdhouse out of your soul. <laughs> And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whoever holds this hammer, if it be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. This looks like a job for Superman. We have a Hulk. Gentlemen, you're up. And now, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. Hello, and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, which we would only get started if Scott wouldn't shut up and let me talk. <laughs> It's going to be a weird one this month, folks, so hang on. Scott Gardner's stressed. He's he's packing uh, up his... He's trying to pack up his comic books and to take them to... to oh, I don't know. What the hell convention are you going to this time? Tomorrow morning, I am going to Megacon in Orlando at the uh, Orange County Convention Center, if I can ever get my stuff together. Yeah, and he's, he's, so, he's, unor he's he just found out that, like, his... His long box that he had that was, oh, painstakingly crafted to strap to his back is not functioning, so <laughs> the stress meters are going Here, Here's Here's the, the long short of it, folks. Here, here's the, the long and short of it is I have busted my ass this past week to work other people's schedules and, and begging managers and all this other stuff in order to facilitate going to this convention tomorrow. I have been stressing about it all week long. And then I sat down today, which I didn't really figure it was last minute because I had the entire day to use. But it turns out that I've actually gone right up to recording time, still working on my convention plan. But basically, 
started off early, early this morning with going, pouring over the Megacon site, pulling up a list of all the artists that are going to, you know, all the creators, the comic book creators that are going to be there, researching them and pulling whatever works they had of my own collection. Or actually, I was making a list is what I did. That's what took all day was making the list. Finally got the list done, started pulling the books. I got through about the letter J and my son, Lo- my youngest son, Logan, who's going with me, said something about, you know, that was a lot of books. And I said, well, you know, I'll throw them in a long box, you know, and we'll put them in the trunk. And about the time I said that, I realized you don't park in front of the Orange County Convention Center. You park in like a parking area and then you're bussed to the convention center. So it's like, there's no way I'm going to want to keep leaving and hopping on a bus and going back to the car and throw more books in my bag and jump back on the bus and go back. You know, no, that'll, uh, you'll waste hours doing that. I'm and telling you, br- bring the long box and rent a hover round. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those people. But t- tip your head at an angle. Drool a little more than usual. Roll your eyes back a little more than you usually do and have one twisted hand hovering over the joystick and go to town, man. You're not <laughs> trying to impress the ladies or anything, and your kid gets a ride all day. Win, yeah. win, 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 win. Anyway. Yeah. Well, well, renting anything, you know, it, it, you know that insinuates right. have money to do such a thing, and I don't, so, yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Hot wire. You know, I had a whole a whole opener worked out for this show in my head, and it's it, it's all just totally evaporated now. We it's just that's ah, okay. I'll take this while while you recoup stressing. your brain. Well, don't well, get to introduce our guest. That's first. what I was just gonna say. We have other people here besides Scott Gardner. Scott Gardner. We have, of course, Mr. Michael Bailey. Hey, everybody. How are you doing, Michael Bailey? Stressed or or not stressed? <clears throat> Um, a lot of column A on that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been a it's been an interesting week or so, and that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's been yeah, and okay, well maybe, and we also have a special guest today. How should how should I introduce him? It, it was as if there was a horrible transporter malfunction and a younger, happier version of his father beamed aboard alongside with him. We have Scotty Scotty Gardner with us. I don't wear a gay pride sweater. That's Wesley Crusher. That's, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that's good to know there, Scotty. Thanks. Gay pride sweater. Thank you. <laughs> So okay, so we've got we've got Scotty as a counterpoint point to uh, Captain Grumpy. I have a feeling you won't be so grumpy when you're in Comic Land. <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> At least you're going to a comic convention. At least you guys have real comic conventions there in Florida, and Georgia. We don't got. We don't got the ones we have here are really sad and scary and smelly, the three S's (laughs) all combined, and what really pisses me off is I can't ply my two true freaks podcastiness into a free ticket in in the door, and that's just that's an outrage. (laughs) So, (laughs) so you guys just be lucky you have those conventions full of smelly nerds. 
I'm so confused as to what's going on right now. Um, <laughs> it's the show collapsing in on itself, and and I and I like a singularity. <laughs> it is. It's a singularity. It's the the unified field theory in action on on Comics Monthly Monday. We had a whole universe of things planned this month, but there's it's just been it's been like asteroids colliding with Comics Monthly Monday. We yes. had a Freaky Five this month that actually completely kind of do you want to say stumped I'm not stumped by it but damn I I have to put a lot of work into it to figure out how to do it (laughs) and it was uh, what was it speed bumps and uh, otherwise good run yeah top 5 speed bumps and an otherwise great run and uh, I got I got as far as three of them, and now you know what I can't. I can only remember what one of them was. I, I was thinking about it at work, and I should have wrote it down. But it, I, the only one I can remember off the top of my head was that issue. I don't even know the issue number. It was that issue of Incredible Hulk, right in the middle of the uh, the post Todd McFarlane run. It was the issue where they. Uh, it was a filler issue where it was revealed that Betty had had the miscarriage. It wasn't by the regular creative. It, you know, it's like the regular writer, the regular artist, regular inker. Nobody of the regulars was on that book, and it sucked. And it, yeah, horrible speed bump. But the other two that I thought of now, I can't even remember what they were. Now I think one of them was like an early issue. I want to say like maybe like issue five or something. A new Teen Titans that was by Kurt uh, Swan. The art. <laughs> exactly. What you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. You know, so stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, I I just couldn't. I was stumped. It, you see, it, I, yeah. My big problem is I usually on these things can go and just look through my comic collection and jog my memory. The bad thing about this is a lot of the stuff that would be on that list for me, I don't own anymore and haven't owned for twenty years. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure there's a lot of those runs of like I, I used to get all the Spider-Man stuff and I and I, it would, all it would take is a flip through it. But what I'm going to have to do is do some sort of virtual flip through it and go to some sort of comic database and start going to, and you know jogging my memory that way and then honing it down to specific issues and stuff. So basically, I don't know how how did you do on that, Michael? Did how did it kill you or did you actually get a list I, done this time? I I couldn't I'd start thinking about things like I was like, well, what about the Mark Wade run on the flash? And I'm like, there was like that year where it wasn't really all that good. And then I realized, well, that's not Mark Wade's fault. That's when he and Brian Augustine took a year off and he had Grant Morrison and Mark Miller writing the title. And I can't blame, I can't blame, uh, you know, the you know Mark Wade and Brian Augustine for taking some going time on off. vacation it wasn't, wasn't, yeah. wasn't even their run. Um, you know, I started thinking about runs of Superman that had that, and I really, you know, w- with the Superman books, you gotta you gotta kind of, especially in the '90s, put all of those books into one title. So even though it's four to five separate titles, it's still one big story. Right, right. And it, it was so up and down that there wasn't really even a speed bump. So uh, I'm stumped. <laughs> I, I, I am not ashamed to admit that fact. I am well, completely and utterly dumbfounded at how to proceed with this. I've, I've figured out how to proceed with this. We buy Heroin? them off. It's something like that. <laughs> we buy them off. 
Okay. I, I say we go back. We find out who it was who suggest who's who who put out that idea, and we send them a T-shirt. That ought to shut them up, right? Don't you think? <laughs> that ought to <laughs> shut them up. That ought to shut up the little bastards for a little while. Scott, do you remember that? I do remember that. One of those all-time great bloopers. There was some kiddie show, and they like the the host thought he was off the air, and and this is your uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off. Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Back in the pre-internet days when you had to go to garage sales and get records to hear that sort of stuff. The, the, <laughs> meme, just the go, memes you of the just day. Go to the YouTubes you just go to the YouTubes and there's uh, uh, you get to see everybody, you know, where everybody screws up at any time, you know, anybody like getting out of the shower and falls over with their head falls in the toilet, it's on YouTube in 10 seconds. With eight million views, how many of those do you think are real? Half, maybe I don't know. Probably not even that. Uh, a lot. A, a lot of the times when you watch those, you watch those videos of 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 you know, there's 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 all the categories of. You got the people doing stupid stuff, but they think they're going to do a really awesome jump with their bike or dirt bike or something. <laughs> so that makes sense that someone's there with a camera going, "Oh yeah, okay, do it." But the one where grandma's just like walking across her yard and the football, or you know, just something random happens. A lot of the times you sit there and go, why was somebody filming that, you know, it, it was a normal day when nothing was happening and then this happened. And it's like, if it was a normal day with nothing happening, why were you just sitting there filming it waiting, you know? Yeah, it's a lot of that suspicious. I often, it used to be you film stuff like that and you won a prize and got on America's Funniest Home Videos. Now you just You can still do that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, you just end up on YouTube with a million views looking like an ass to a million people (laughs) for no money. (laughs) Well, it works out awesome for us who like to watch that stuff. Well, barring uh, having our Freaky Five, which is a name that is growing on me the more I say it. Mm. Like I was saying it all day today, I was like, Freaky Five. It's a five. superhero group, it sounds like. It sounds like a shitty superhero group from the 60s. <laughs> like, you know? It's like, we got the Freaky Five. There's a pinhead and a midget and, and someone with no, ar- and, yeah, you know, no arms and no legs, a lobster and, boy. And LSD, which stands for something really stupid. So. And Blowhard turns to the superhero side. Joins the team. You know what? We need to write this book. <laughs> I was, that's yeah. what I was just going to say. I'm like, you know, I think that could work. But uh, <laughs> even though Scott's going to Megacon tomorrow, which yeah, I'm really happy for you, Scott. Yeah, I'm and happy it, for you too. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I got to go to the um, quarterly one-day comic show here in Atlanta, uh, which will without fail take place on Super Bowl Sunday. The first show of the year is always on Super Bowl Sunday. Good. Well, that weeds out some people. And uh, the the last... <laughs> no, actually, it, uh, you'd be surprised how many football fans and comic fans, how that kind of collides. Oh, I, I'm sure. That's what I'm thinking. Wouldn't... I mean, wouldn't that be the... You know, I know people who would be torn that way. What do you do? Go to the well, comic well, show? Well, you, you don't have to choose because the show's over by five. 
Oh. You know, plenty of time for the game. Or you show up at 11, do your shopping, and then go home to prepare for your party. Uh, I went by myself because my wife wasn't feeling uh, too well that day. And uh, a couple things. One, traffic going there was a breeze. I was shocked at how fast I got there. Uh, the second thing that shocked me is um, nobody stank. Maybe they read uh, your last post after the last... Uh, <laughs> well, actually, I, I posted the night before the show. Uh, <laughs> you, I, yeah, you're pretty consistent with that. Me. Yeah. Which, uh, let me pull this up because I'm actually... You ring that bell quite often, and thank you for doing that, too. Well, you know... <laughs> you're you're doing the world a favor. I don't want to make fun of my, you know, my people, but at the same time, as Scott has often said, you know, sometimes be, we have to we have to police ourselves. We have to be cruel to be you kind. Know, you know, it, it's not that we're trying to be mean, you know, I'm trying to be mean, well... Okay, I'm trying to be mean a little bit, but, you know, for the effect of comedy. But at the same time, um, uh, you know, I don't want to sit there and, and mock people, but it's just like the... Um, but you don't want your nostrils raped also at the same time. <laughs> this, this is extremely true. <laughs> you know, um, it goes both ways. <laughs> well, most good things Ooh. do. No, it's basically, you know, I've formed a foundation. It's the foundation... Uh, you know, the, the Michael Bailey doesn't want to smell your stank ass while he's looking for comic books foundation uh, in, a, in association with the Take a Goddamn Shower mm -hmm. uh, you know, group. So I, I really think that um, either people were bathed, which would be kind of surprising, or, and here's the other thing, Scott, you know how hot that room can get, remember? Oh, yes. Okay. Dude, it was like Ice Station Zebra in that room. It was beautiful. I walked in and I got cold. And I'm like, this is great. This is exactly what you need. I don't know who complained. I don't know what palm was greased. But my God, somebody paid somebody off and they cranked mm. up the AC in there like they were trying to make it like 30 degrees inside. And they probably didn't have to pay anybody off. The staff was probably like, this time we're going to be prepared because last time was... Yeah, the people who worked there were probably just like, you better crank that up to where there's ice chips falling <laughs> out of the ceiling. We, we had to have a hazmat group come in to clean <laughs> this room out last time. But um, it was a good show. Uh, I managed to find some really cool stuff. I finally, for $3, got the issue of Marvel Premier Magazine that had the Man God story in it, which uh -huh. it was the part one of a never-finished uh, adaptation of... The Gladiator by Philip Wiley, which uh, Scott and I discussed on our second Back to the Bins together. Oh, you ruined my joke. I was just going to say, we ought to do a show on that sometime. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the artwork in this thing is beautiful, by the way. Oh, my God. It's black and white Rick Buckler artwork. I, mean, I told you it was awesome. Oh, it was great. Um, I also got, and th this was weird, I, I found in the $5 box. Uh, issues 2 through 11 of The New Gods, the original Jack Kirby run of The New Gods. And I'm like, 2 through 11? You know, that, that's, God, five bucks a piece? These things are in beautiful condition? So I snapped them up, and down the way from that dealer, I managed to snag New Gods number one for 50 bucks, which Scott Gardner is having a heart attack about right now <laughs> for me paying that. But I talked the guy down from 160 so yikes. I, 
I feel like I got a deal on that one. Yeah, that's quite you a talk do down, this man. You're a rich podcaster. You know? Yeah, like I. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting pretty there, Bailey. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my sponsor this time was all the money the government was holding the previous year in, in interest free. So let, let, let's be real about this whole thing. <laughs> With your monocle um, and your money bags. <laughs> but so I picked up New Gods number one. I got two through eleven. I got home and realized I bought the entire original run of New Gods by Jack Kirby. So I'm looking forward to reading that simply because I like those characters. And you can read it all. That's really cool. Well, you really have to read all of the Kirby books um, to get the the full feeling of the fourth Mm -hmm. world, but uh, that's not an issue with me. I'll eventually get them all. Uh Um, But but they're in really good condition, and uh, I have discovered that I really like Jack Kirby's DC work, and I have no idea where this came from because I had never been a Jack Kirby fan before. But now I'm looking through this stuff, and it's like really awesome artwork. So I think that, Jack Kirby's kind of he's kind of weird. It's kind of like I kind of grew into. I didn't like Jack Kirby when I was a kid. I I laughed at his stuff. I was just like, what is up with this? The only one that I really liked when I was a kid was his. 2001 adaptation but now as an adult i love the whole you know the style of it is amazing everything about it is amazing now whenever i well you know for at certain periods you know i i can't remember what i was looking at the other day but it was pretty horrifying it was something from the 80s well like like everything else that i have retained a love of as an adult comic book fan it really has to do with stuff that I was into when I was a kid. It's like you know, when, when you look at my favorite characters, Superman, Batman, the Incredible Hulk. What did I like as a kid? The Christopher Reeve Superman films, the Adam West Batman TV series, and the Incredible Hulk TV show. Um, the New Gods were part of my favorite toy line ever, the Superpowers toy line. They paid Jack Kirby a good chunk of change from what I understand to, and gave him royalties, I think probably for the first time, for those characters. And those were the action figures I had. I had Darkseid, I had Desaad, I had Kalabak, and uh, and a Parademon. And I kind of want to now, as an adult, see where these characters came from. Plus, to me... And I think another podcaster, uh, Chase, from 2-in-1 Showcase, first put forth this theory. Um, he may have been talking about the Legion of Superheroes, but he also, but I think he said it about the New Gods as well. The New Gods are an offshoot of Superman to me. Because Jack Kirby worked on Jimmy Olsen, and Jimmy Olsen was a Superman book, and Superman was like really tied into the New Gods when they first hit... To me, it, it, it's almost like the New Gods were a backdoor pilot. The New Gods, uh, okay. The New Gods to Superman are what Different Strokes was to the. I mean, the the, the facts of life was to the different to Different Strokes. <laughs> That's a beautiful analogy. <laughs> Who is Mrs. Garrett? I, Jimmy. They're both redheads too. Brandy Goodness. Yeah, great. <laughs> She's got good cans like Charlotte Ray had, so that's okay. Oh, that's um, right. Didn't that was you that had the Charlotte Ray thing, wasn't it? No, God, somebody no. in one of our I, early. Wait, don't answer that. <laughs> somebody in one of our early. Somebody we've had on our podcast before had quite an admiration for. I'd like to say the hair metal hero, but I don't think it was him. Huh. I thought it was Dad. 
It might be. Which one's Charlotte Ray? She was the Mrs. Mrs. Garrett. Oh, girls, girls. Oh, the Ethel Merman, yeah. Okay. The girls, the girls. <laughs> so, um, got a couple other things at the show that, w that were really cool. Um, so I got the very first issue of Superman Family for five bucks and a couple issues of the 10 issue Supergirl series as well. My friend uh, Garrett got me Justice League of America number 74, which has a beautiful cover of the Earth 2 Superman punching the Earth 1 Superman into the ground. He just hands it to me when I walk in. He goes, I found this in the $5 bin. Happy birthday. And I went, okay. My, yes. my, my, my very good friend Garrett. Hey, Garrett. I know I'm going to have something to say about Garrett a little bit later here, so that's why I wanted to make sure that you shouted him out, too. Um, and I got a couple other issues of, like, uh, 90s-era Justice League. And when I mean that, I don't mean from the 1990s. I mean from the, like, 97 through 99 or something like that. I also found, It's kind of beat up, but I found a copy of Justice League of America number 56 that has the JSA and the JLA running at each other about to fight. And for five bucks, I'm like, that. Ah, why not? So uh, that was pretty cool. I also, to tie into a, a back to the bins that Scott did recently, and this doesn't have much to do with comics, but I figured I'd mention it here because uh, I, I just have to say this. Uh, I picked up the first season of The Six Million Dollar Man on DVD. Oh. And, 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 and I, I watched the pilot, and I really enjoyed the pilot. I wish Darren McGavin had stuck around because I loved his character. Um,. What was with the opening song to the second pilot? Can, can someone explain this to me, please? Does anybody remember this? I actually, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I just ran across it. I've never seen it, but I ran across that opening on. I think I was trying to get the six million dollar man theme, and somebody had put that up on YouTube and. And I was like, ah, here it is. And I popped it up and it was complete. It had lyrics to it. If I was, if I'm not mistaken, He's the right? Man. It's awful. It's it, yeah. It's, it was seventies super uh, TV. Somebody dusty. Dusty Springfield. Yes. Dusty Springfield saying it. Oh, geez. So, uh, geez. but I want to thank Scott, um, and, and Andy Leyland for doing that episode and getting me off my ass to finally pick up that first season uh, since it was at Target. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to going through the rest of the episode. So thanks, guys. That was... Uh, um, you know where else a good place to get that is? Amazon. Through, through the Amazon.com. Link. Yep. Well, <laughs> I would have done that, except it was at Target for like 30 well, well, no. I And, and I want to say to all our listeners, if you can find it cheaper, for God's sake, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh thank you scott I, uh, you're welcome and it was a really great episode too i loved uh I, I i finally read the first three issues of the dynamite series and uh that was pretty cool too so that i that i recommend i can't find the rest of them though so it's i have sad. to i have to read those and somebody and, and uh johnny bueno's been after me to read ferals Farrell. james grab him he'll destroy the ship I'm the captain! Don't you understand? I'm captain of the ship! I'm the captain! It's my ship! My ship! It's mine! He's on me like a hobo on a ham sandwich about it, so... But does the hobo have a shotgun? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> 
Yeah, most hobos don't have shotguns. It's, uh, you know, usually if you have a shotgun, that might be your ticket out of being a hobo. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> then you're either an armed felon or yes. a prisoner. So. Right, but not a hobo. <laughs> But that's that's pretty much my uh, my what I've been up to in the past month. So, I went to the comic shop today, but I ended up walking out with nothing. The first time in a long time. Wow! And it was because I thought I was a couple behind on The Walking Dead, and I sort of panicked because my comic shops run out of Walking Dead. So I ordered the latest issue through eBay, not through Amazon. But I can't use my own Amazon anyway. But I, I ordered the new one, and I thought I had one missing in between, so I figured I'd go to the shop and pick it up and hopefully find something else to read, too. You know, at least at least one other comic just to have something to read. And I, and I couldn't find a thing. I was so bummed. <laughs> it used to be I was just talking to Johnny Bueno in the 90s. I used to get off work on Fridays. And uh, my my boss would pay half our paycheck in, in cash, and I would head right over to the comic store, which was right in the building, and I'd come out with a handful of them every... Is that the every... half that was under the table there, Chris? I'm not saying. Okay. <laughs> in case but that's the always IRS the best half. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea, sir. <laughs> yeah, the IRS is trawling podcasts looking for people hiding big bucks. <laughs> They could shake a whole, like, $50 out of the collective podcasting pockets by <laughs> auditing us. <laughs> did uh, did you have anything cool to add, Scott, besides the Megacon stuff? Yeah, actually, I uh, I needed to give a, uh, a shout-out. got a package. I've Actually, I've gotten several packages in the mail lately from listeners, but uh, I'm going to uh, throw kudos out for the other ones. Uh, on, on the shows that we do that are appropriate to the things that I receive, but I did receive a big old box of comics a couple of days ago Ooh. from uh, from our buddy uh, Garrett Eisen, and it was totally out of the blue, totally unexpected, and because uh, I got the box and I realized it was comics, but I, I didn't even bother to see, like to look who it was. I was just stood there holding it, like I haven't bought any comics, I haven't ordered any comics. And so I tore the box open. Did you forget that you're Scott Gardner and people just send you comics? <laughs> <laughs> Two, three, four. I got four issues of The Monster of Frankenstein, Ooh. which eventually became Frank Frankenstein Monster from Marvel Comics. Yeah. And then I got here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten issues of Tomb of Dracula. Wow. What looks to be, I have not taken it out of, the, out of the package yet, but it looks to be a pretty sweet copy. I'm guessing this is probably very fine near mint of number five, which was an issue I did not have. Great issue. This, I think this is now my earliest issue, possibly. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, these uh, were a gift from uh, Garrett. He sent me a little note here. He said, uh, I'm sorry this has taken so long. Uh, for these to get to you i didn't even know i was getting this, so that was you know i was like hey you know <laughs> no worries uh he says my original intent was to send them before christmas uh but you can see i didn't make it. he says i hope you enjoy them as a fellow marvel horror fan yeah. also uh you need all or most of these to fill in holes in your collection he says i also have uh recently completed my supernatural thrillers series and may have a couple of extras Ooh. of those if you need them 
Uh, enjoy the books, and I'll keep enjoying the two true freak wow. shows. Have a great and that's from Gary. So you got Eisen. some free Gene Colton. So, yes. And uh, man, I tell you, the cool thing about this is that there were, there were a lot of them that filled holes, especially the uh, Monster of Frankenstein ones. Now I think I only need, I lack, I think, only two issues to complete that series. Well, the thing about this is even if, you know, there had only been, say, one of them that filled a hole, I've been watching these on eBay. Dude, these books are damn expensive. I, I mean, mm -hmm. um,. I was trying to think here. He said he re uh, recently completed his series of, uh, or his collection rather, of supernatural thrillers. I I don't think I have a complete collection of supernatural thrillers, but I think I have a complete collection of the issues of that series that featured the living mummy, which were the issues that I wanted because that's a great story. You know what's weird is you know he he says in this you know in the in the letter that he included with the the comics you know enjoy them as a fellow marvel horror fan that's the funny thing is i'm not i'm not a horror fan at all yet we do you know the walking dead right. show which is you know, horror and and i have talked a lot over the years about you know frankenstein you know the the marvel frankenstein and dracula and living mummy and all that but i still don't really consider myself a fan it's just those are really good comics you know mm -hmm. they, they again they transcend their their genre i think they're because the living mummy one especially i would not classify as horror it's more of a uh i don't know it's almost like however you would possibly classify something like six million dollar man because it's just it's an augmented human being doing fantastical things Yet he's not a superhero because he's not in tights. I, I guess it's kind of like early issues of like the Hulk, you know, because he's kind of like, you know, this wandering, lumbering thing that kind of does the right thing, but sometimes he fights the cops too. So you know what I mean? It's it, how do you classify that? You know, <laughs> the Hulk gets drunk and <laughs> his baby mama has to call the cops on him. And they come out. And... <laughs> Put some pants on, Hulk. Hulk don't need pants. Hulk only had half 40. Hulk don't put shirt on for no one. <laughs> no. Well, that's all I Hulk had. think you ought to line. Actually, I, I, I kind of <laughs> consider myself a Marvel horror fan, but, you know, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I'm a Marvel horror fan. Sure. But, yeah. Nobody ever sends me ever any Marvel yeah. horror. No, never. <laughs> That's okay though. We'll see, it's fine. I I have not. I haven't gotten with <laughs> with Garrett yet, and, and you know to figure out what I'm gonna do with the doubles. But uh, you know, maybe if you're nice, you know, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Good luck with that. Nice. The nice gets things for Chris. <laughs> oh, make. Brain hurt. All right, I think with that we need to take a little break and we need to do the uh, come back and uh, get into our our main topic. Do the if we even our have a feature presentation. <laughs> the Geek is a podcast for the geek and everyone. Please join your host Peregrine and D-Man each week as they discuss all the things that geek guys love to talk about from the sci-fi, fantasy, and comic genres. For movies, TVs, comics, novels, and games, seek out Definitive Geek. Available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.Podomatic.com. Hey kids, comics! Hey Michael! Yes? We have to 
to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. But you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Uh, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing! Badly! Yes, well, badly is purely subjective, but how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? H's Comics! Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com Rocketed as a being from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. I sense a disturbance in the Force. You always sense a disturbance in the Force. We're doomed. Fojo! I don't like this. No! Really pissed me off. Oh no! <laughs> it's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Help me! Or two! This is where the fun begins. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Okay, we're back, and now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Everybody. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. 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 No. The language you use in front of your children. I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> He's heard worse. It's horrifying. Well, keep in mind, I'm, I come from a house where lying sack of shit is a term of endearment. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, uh, this time around, we have not only the comic, but uh, we have the video adaptation of the comic as well. Um, 
You guys have the video adaptation. I know. Dude, I sent it to you. Did you not watch it? You sent it to me last night. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) It's not like you sent it to me three days ago and I just been sitting on my ass. It was only an hour. I saw. I I watched it and then I couldn't find it or I would have sent it to you. The, The problem is I had it on a DVD and it was like four gigs. Or like you know, three <laughs> gigs or something stupid like that. And we'll be able to talk a lot about the book itself, so it's not okay. like I'm not gonna have anything to say. I was just gonna say I'm not worried about anybody having nothing to say about nothing because that's why we're here. Is <laughs> we have a problem with that anyway, so <laughs> it's it ain't gonna be a problem. <clears throat> I'm dying to hear your fantastic scholastic uh Scholastic, the scholastic press edition of Batman. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Like three pages long. We should make a little. We should make. Remember when you'd get your scholastic books and they'd give you the little order form and you could check off your books. We should give like a re, you know, a list of comics and people can check them off and mail them in to us. That's how I got the. Secret of Bigfoot Pass. That's yes. how I got my story of Star Wars com- or book. Was through the Scholastic Book Club. That's how I got the first four adventures and babysitting books. And countless issues of Bananas magazine. The awesome <laughs> Bananas magazine. And Dynamite. Alright. Batman Year One. This month, I read Batman Year One by Frank Miller and Dave Mazzucelli. I like to call it Batman, the Daredevil Years. This is a story about how Batman spent his first year on the job, and I can tell you right now that a lot of it is spent getting shot and stabbed with knives. This is also the first year on the job for Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Dent, and the Catwoman. Batman, Mr. Gordon, and Dent seem to be the only decent people in Gotham, and I get the feeling that even little babies in Gotham Elementary are shooting heroin. Batman wants to be Gordon's friend, and Gordon likes Batman because he saw him be nice to an old street lady and a cat. I like Frank Miller because he is like George Lucas and lets you know who's a bad guy by naming them Mr. Skeevy or George Sketchy or Blackie Baby Eater or something. Anyway, all the cops hate Commissioner Gordon who's not commissioner yet because he's not on the take but the public likes him and he's also a trained ass kicker. Gordon is such a good guy that he tells his wife he's been dorking a hot blonde so that he can't be blackmailed. Meanwhile, the Catwoman gets sick of being a combination of dominatrix and crazy cat hoarder and decides to steal nerd toys from the mayor. She gets pissed because Batman gets all the credit. I hear there's a crazy brain disease you get if there's too much cat poop around, and she should watch out for that. Well, Batman and Commissioner Gordon become pals when Batman saves his baby from gangsters who kidnap the baby. I was pissed because there's no Chief O'Hara and I wanted to see the bat phone getting hooked up. This comic is okay, I guess, if you like good art and good writing. The end. Chris, that is hands down your best one yet. (laughs) 
I had a rich. (laughs) I'm sorry. My favorite part was the digression about the cat disease. That's true. So watch out. (laughs) They think a lot of. They think there's something in cat poop that gives you a disease that makes you want to hoard cats. (laughs) That's freaky, man. Think about that, people. Well, I think we should let uh, our special guest go with his thoughts on the comic first. All right. That's not me, man. That's you. Yeah, I was about to say, Scotty. Hi. <laughs> I'm special, yeah. but I ain't a guest. <laughs> Are we all special here? <laughs> uh, yeah, Dad that's made me... scary, man. I t- was. <laughs> pardon me. That's scary. <laughs> That was just like listening to. That was like hearing your dad's voice come echo out of his nerd room thirty years ago. <laughs> Freaky man. Uh, the writing was awesome, and I liked all the Commissioner Gordon. Well, it was more of a Commissioner Gordon story mm-hmm. in the first place than a Batman story. I like the whole stuff with uh, Commissioner Bort- Gordon. Figuring out how to be a cop in Gotham, beating people up and leaving them naked in the snow. That was a favorite part of mine too. Yes, <laughs> all the parts involving baseball bats are in my are amongst my favorite parts of this story. I really like how he handles that uh, that situation where mm-hmm. of getting beat yeah. up and, and and instead of you know he knows at that moment it's it's either lie down and go along with it or immediately just find the ringleader and beat him senseless and uh you know he's he's able to fit he's able to sort of fit in (laughs) without becoming a dirty cop but he's he's tough enough so the dirty cops will give him some leeway and uh i i I like that i thought that was that was something you didn't see in comic stories much up to that point yeah i used to own this comic i wish i still did I was probably poor at one point, and this probably went for a pretty penny at some some point. I don't know what it goes for now. I don't know if Frank Miller's stuff is still. It's um, you can find it pretty cheap, basically because it's been reprinted so many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has gotten soft cover treatments, hard cover treatments, oversized. I think. You see, I'd be happy. Treatments, yeah, so. I'd be happy getting just a used trade paperback of it. You know, basically, I I love the art in it. The art in it's just gorgeous. It's. It reminds me of Frank Miller's Daredevil art, but dare I say I like it even better. I I like well, Zacchelli's approach to it. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that. You you said it's 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 uh, Daredevil as a Batman story. Mazzucchelli and Miller had just finished Born right, Again, right? I, I right before they did this series. I I, so. I couldn't remember which one of those came first, but I remember those be, them being just sort of like these parallel mini runs, you know, where Frank Miller, you know, they, they reminded me of like Frank Miller had his wild take of Batman that he just did. So now he was doing something in between, you know, something not quite as, as a radical departure stylistically and story-wise as the dark Knight, but something more in, towards the comics and and what's funny is the daredevil story reminded me a lot of frank miller's run on daredevil but yeah so did the Uh batman one it it was a gritty it was a gritty crime story and it was a uh, it was it it was basically late this comic i think laid basically 
you know, unfortunately for, for in some ways, the foundations for The Dark Knight and uh, Batman Begins. You know, a lot of the mm-hmm. elements of this showed up in that. But I like the elements of uh, in this a lot. I like those elements a lot better in this than I did in the movies. But I also like these because it was a miniseries. It wasn't, you know, this is we're rebooting Batman and it's going to be like this. It was just a take on it for four yeah, issues. but it was the reboot of Batman. Yeah, it became it, it wasn't meant to be, but yeah, it became so um, just right after the crisis on Infinite Earths. I I'd, I'd say this was purposely done Neil doing his Batman origin. I mean, it was done within the Batman title, but I always look at this as Batman's Man of Steel. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I can see that. What else did you have, Scotty? Are we still going comic, or are we going to jump back and forth between the uh, video adaptation? Um, I'm fi- I'm fine with that since since uh, we have My- Michael who hasn't hasn't seen it, and and you know, yeah, we might as well mix them all together because if yeah, we just if we do the if we do the right. movie separately, it's going to be like thirty seconds, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, the the movie version I liked a lot better than the comic version because, well, they left a lot of, they left some stuff out that just wasn't very useful. Just Gordon's, Gordon's monologue during certain scenes mm-hmm. when he didn't seem very necessary talking to himself. And then they had the, uh, what was it? The uh, part about when Bruce actually saves. Um, Gordon's kid you can in the video adaptation you can actually see um, Gordon tipping off Bruce that he that he's going to keep it a secret that Bruce actually saved his kid and in the in the comic adaptation I thought that was a little weird to pick up on yeah I don't yeah it was it was it was almost not there at all it was ambiguous in the comic yeah really because I thought it was pretty clear (laughs) They 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 nailed it home in the and it, in the movie it's better because in the comic he goes you know I can't see a damn thing without, without my, glasses. my glasses to me that was him saying I know you're Batman but I am not gonna I, say a word I see nothing nothing <laughs> uh, but I um I uh, I think that's a really good point Scotty is I think they were very good the writers of the TV I mean they really beat for beat followed the comic with the movie. But yeah. they took out a lot of the exposition because a lot of that exposition was not – it was more necessary in the comic. But when you see it – when you see the action, you know, there were a lot of things where Batman in his head is describing each blow of the fight. That The fight on the fire escape. In the comics, that's kind of a long read. He He describes every – you know, how he's getting thrown off balance and struggling with the guy who's – hanging while while trying to fight off the other guys who are going to make him drop their friend and you know his and he's thinking about the length of time the TV drops in the comic or in the TV adaptation or the video adaptation it literally happened that whole scene happens in like 3 to 5 seconds it's just boop, 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 in real time no voiceover and anything and they were really smart with what they cut out they they cut out all the stuff that was unnecessary for for the video and that made it a lot smoother because I was watching it and going okay if this is going to be beat for beat I'm 
I'm just not going to want all that voiceover. It's going to drive me nuts. I didn't kind of didn't like the voice of Batman a lot. For some yeah, reason. I've heard a little bit yeah. of it, and I thought it sucked ass. Actually, he was kind of kind of reedy for Batman. You know, even you know, I don't <laughs> want him to be pure gravel, but he was uh, uh, at least have a little bass. You know, to to your Batman voice. Batman bass, Superman sing tenor. He might have been. He might have been pulling it back a lot more for Bruce Wayne, maybe, or you know. But sometimes the internal dialogue, Batman just didn't sound like. You know, Batman and Superman, you want them to have some mmm to their voice, you know, to sound like they're coming out of a big towering person, you know, they, they, they'll have some depth to it. And this guy just wasn't a projector that much. But as it went on, it, it didn't bother me as much. But um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I prefer the comic because that was... You know, I I remember going out and getting it when it came out, and all, it, and it it was actually a, a that comic and the Daredevil comic were were um like three different people in my house actually went out and were buying them, and there were just copies of them laying around the house, and people would always come over to our house and like pick them up and read them, and they were just thumbed through and and you know worn out and well read after about a year or two very popular comics around the the household to you know to the normal people who wouldn't normally read comics it was like what's this a comic book okay i'll thumb through this while uh, this commercial's on and like hey it's not my ideal batman but it it, it that uh, it's not either but it's all but it's also i think this was like around the time period of the last hurrah of when you were getting good stuff out of frank miller crazy you know stuff that wasn't just totally self-indulgent there was a lot you know there was a lot there was a tight story going on in this and there were you know it was still comic booky but it had that cry uh it had a you know especially for the time you know a tough crime edge to it that that wasn't as you know now now it's the status quo but you know at, at that point it was it was novel and the i missed daredevil at that point so i missed frank miller doing daredevil so it was just like oh this is right up that alley you know the one thing i take away from this story uh which i do enjoy i just don't enjoy what came of it mm-hmm. um you know it's like you know it, it, it was like the cement in the Batman's kind of a prick characterization that some writers would take to extremes later. Uh, but to me, what this story did was make Commissioner Gordon or Jim Gordon a viable character. Mm-hmm. Because before this point, you know, Gordon was always like the unimportant character in Batman, but he was always a supporting character. And he to was a like certain the guy extent, who called in Batman. And to a certain extent, even when they gave him characterization, like what Conway and Doug Mensch would do in the mid-80s, and, and, and Scott can attest to this because he read those books. I don't know if you read Batman in this era, Chris, so I'm not trying to no. exclude you from that. But uh, but Gordon was kind of like, I wouldn't call him a weak character, but his weaknesses were very apparent as to what he could and could not do and all that. Uh, here, we get a Gordon... That okay, I can see this guy coming up through the ranks of cops in, in, in Gotham City and being the the toughest cop in the best cop in the city. More than anything, though, you guys talk about the scene where Flash and the other guys beat the hell out of him. 
And then he goes and waits till Floss is drunk and driving home and takes him out. And you realize, and one of my favorite lines in the entire book is, "It's been a while since I've had to take out a green beret." And a yeah. green beret is like you know, especially in the eighties, that was like the the top badass of the military world so who the hell was jim <laughs> that's Gordon? what i was trying to figure <laughs> out i was trying to figure out what his I, i'm like okay he he seems to have some sort of military background because he also says when they're when they're converging him in the car park he's just like oh okay i've i've taken care of a group this big before yeah, no problem first but just not yeah, in a it, while and then and it's like what, did he go hang out with the SAS or the Mossad for a, for a summer or something? <laughs> the it's School like, of Americas or something? Yeah, exactly. But I I, I just liked the, the scumminess of the world is so apparent in the artwork. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh my god, this place is a hole. And I think people take that to an extreme because now Gotham is just like it's like if you walk down a street in Gotham, you're going to get shot, raped, and mugged. Yeah, if you go in an alley, time. someone's someone's gonna you know if you go in an alley, you're gonna step over three there. bums going Daisy, Daisy, and then someone's gonna pull a knife on you. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it it made the relationship between Gordon and Batman so much more personal real yeah oh that's a great way to put it personal it was just like okay i see why these two work together and i love and this was one of the one parts of dark knight that i really liked uh even though it was more of a take in dark knight on uh long halloween was the the thought that batman gordon and dent were all working together at first and that made me like Harvey Dent as a character more because you realize he's, he's like the going early adopter of Batman in this one. He's, yeah, he's the first one to to befriend him. So it makes it more tragic. I like that this is one of the last times we're going to see Batman screw up because he would become, especially in the late nineties and and the aughts. You know, he always had he was always five steps ahead of you, and he had sixteen contingent plans and there's 50 different bat caves around gotham city just in case he needs you know to to, to freshen up on scooby snacks or something yeah and here you get to see the trial and error that led to that here we get to see him almost getting taken out by a bunch of kids stealing a tv and him adopt you know practicing the bruce wayne persona and the relationship with alfred the only thing i didn't like well there were two things that i didn't like about this entire story one i could have done without batman kicking a tree in the back of it in the backyard that's, that's of Wayne frank Manor, miller shattering it. that's frank miller 100 percent, though you know that's just something he likes to have people do daredevil and used two, to do stuff like that all the time and they've tried to retcon this, and I kind of applaud them for this. I don't really like the concept that Catwoman was a prostitute. Never liked that. I, got, never, I hate that, as a matter of fact. I got, yeah, I, I got the impression, and this is a fine distinction, that she wasn't as much a prostitute. I don't think she was having sex with the guys. I think she was a flat-out humiliation dominatrix, where she just hated... There's that's, a there's a line where she's just you know you know when I when I meet a real man and basically she said I've never met a real uh, actual man in my entire life, so I think she just like was like okay if you want me to tie you up and call you names and 
and beat you up, then that's fine. You know, give me $5,000 and get the hell out of here. So I never pictured her as maybe, but, but her friend, the very young girl there, that's kind of sketchy. I got the who feeling. Would eventually be, who would eventually become Catwoman. Oh, really? I, I got yeah. the feeling that she was actually being, you know, well, they had a pimp, so, yeah. Yeah, and he didn't say, say, Jim, whoa, that's a bad outfit, too, and that really disappointed me <laughs> because, you know, it's a pimp. No, I, I, I love the fact that Bruce Wayne walks into that situation and he is just not prepared for what, you know. It's like he could take out the pimp. The pimp isn't the problem. He just drops it. He doesn't count on the teenage girl stabbing him in the leg no, and he the tranny prostitute he, coming in and beating on him too. He pictures them all being like, oh, thank you for beating up our pimp. And it's just like, no, not in reality. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they kind of need him and it's sad and it's not right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the bad guy in that situation. He's, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, you know, and, and I mean, it was an object lesson in, for Batman and, and who to pick his battles, you know. Mm-hmm. But actually, the pimp sort of did start it. <laughs> well, yeah, but he also says I'm baiting him, and I really shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So he loses control of that yes. situation rather quickly. Um, did you end up liking it, Scotty? The the comic? Oh yeah, I really like the comic. Okay, I'd recommend you uh, if your dad has them to get the to read the Long Halloween next. Because it's very much in the same manner, uh, but I think it's a it's a better story. Okay. Overall. Or Daredevil. The what was it? Daredevil. Born again. Born again. Oh, Born Again. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, you guys talked about that on the show, and I kind of want to check that out too. I, uh, I think Mazzuchelli's art in that is even mm-hmm. even better than in this one too. Yeah, it's it, it's. I'm looking forward to seeing the film. I was going to pick it up with Justice League Doom right around my birthday and watch both. Um, but at, at the same time, I, I heard the voice of Batman and it really freaking turned me off. I, I, I don't want somebody aping Kevin Conroy. Yeah. And, and I don't, and I, you know, I don't need Diedrich Bader's Batman either. Um, but at the same time, when I, when I hear Batman, I don't hear like theater school dropout basically. Who, who's trying really hard to to act a certain way. It, it seems like in all the dialogue I've heard from him in the trailers and such, that he is reading his lines. He's not so much acting. And I think he is pretty much. It, it okay. bothered me in the first like 10 minutes, and after a while, I, it sort of just became, <laughs> you become used to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, but this this is this is an excellent Batman story to me. Uh, I wish people would have left it alone and just kind of taken it as like these are the early days and not used so much of it, especially. Yeah, I, um, just take it as this is Frank Miller's take on the early <laughs> days and leave it at that, you know. But that's what people wanted, you know. That's just what people wanted after that. And Well, I, I, I think it just cemented that feeling that, well, Batman can't. It's like almost like Batman can't be fun, right? You know, it, it's it's a it's a driving story, and I love this is the great thing about the comic book, and I don't know if it comes across in the movie, but this is what I love about the comic book: it feels like a year has gone by. When they jump and and it's a new day, it's just like I feel the passing of time. 
And that's hard to do in a comic book because of, you know, in a movie you can kind of do it, you know, you you show different cues like now it's snowing instead of being sunny or whatever. But in the book, since everything kind of has, has a consistent look under Mazzucchelli's artwork, I, you know, if you took those dates out, I would think this all happened within a month or two. But putting those dates in and with some other little subtle things, it just made it feel like, oh, this is an actual year one of Batman, not just a, a cool name. Because year two, which came right on the heels of year one, wasn't really the entire second year of Batman. It was a big adventure he had in that year. Right. Year three was the same way. It, so, just in title only, basically, is mm-hmm. what it was. What is more awesome than Batman escaping the police with a bunch of freaking bats behind him, mm-hmm. hiding his, uh, you know, basically his covering for him? Yeah. I mean, that's... That, that I mean, that's just that's just cool, and what what I think a lot of people miss the boat on is that they think it's nothing but the darkness, right? And even Long Halloween and Dark Victory, which which had some pretty dark moments, including the uh, the retconned death of Flass. Uh, not giving away too much with that. It, it's still Batman fighting all his villains. And at the heart of that, you can't help but think, wow, that's pretty freaking awesome. So, you know, in this one, he's not fighting the Joker or the Penguin or Two-Face or anybody. He is fighting the mobsters. But I like the fact that in the beginning, that's kind of who Batman would take on until the freaks start showing up. Yeah, well, it, it, there was there's always that element of the, the freaks almost being inspired by Batman going, oh, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. And about that... um. Gordon, at the end of this, references that the Joker is poisoning the reservoir, so that means that somewhere during this story, the whole Red Hood thing must have happened. And that makes sense, if, if it, because to me, the Red Hood story works the best when it's some kind of random thing Batman was breaking up. Yeah. So, I just, uh, <laughs> you said he's going to poison the reservoir. Suddenly I hear Woody from Toy Story. Somebody's poisoned the water hole. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. I apologize. But uh, <laughs> no, it's just, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the animated version. Um, I really should have picked it up by now, but I can't find it. It's, it's, so it's, what's that? Well, it was at Walmart for like two minutes and then not there at all. I mean, I can find Dick Tracy for $5 at Walmart, but I can't find Batman. You're it's, one. it's so weird that you mentioned Dick Tracy. I was digging through my stuff, and I actually found... Here's a piece of merchandising that may not be the most popular item, but it's just bizarre. It's a Dick Tracy flexible flying disc of Madonna. Uh, you know, breathless, but, you know, it's basically Madonna. So I've got a Madonna Dick Tracy Frisbee. <laughs> it's going up on eBay. Uh, haven't thought about Dick Tracy in years and years, and now it's come up twice in the same day. I might have to watch that again. That was a pretty good movie. Well, we, we keep talking about that, you know, because I'm sorry, not only would, would the movie be worth an episode, but that entire summer of Dick Tracy uh, is worth at least 20 minutes of conversation as well. The summer of Dick Tracy. I mean, it's not like, you know... Thanks for the memories, but you, know, you can't can't <laughs> recapture that kind of lightning. <laughs>
So. What year was that? Was that 90? Ni- 90. It was, yeah, the year after Batman. I think the Turtles were out that year, too, weren't yes, they? Yes, they were. I love that movie, too. That's a good movie. Well, I, 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 the I Rocketeer was right about the same time as Dick Tracy because I saw him 91. at the same theater. 91. Yeah. In Minnesota. Well, yeah, Mike and I have been talking about, uh, we need to, in our minds, there's a little trifecta there that we need to get to eventually, and that's uh, Dick Tracy, the Rocketeer, and the Shadow, the uh, yes. Alec Baldwin. Have you ever seen that, Chris? No, I haven't. I've been, that is excellent, excellent yes. superhero I've movie. been hearing about that in the fan, that, 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 that and the to Phantom. a lesser extent, the Great. Phantom, too, are both yeah. stuff that I should check out, and that, and, uh, that the only reason I never movie. saw the the Phantom was that I I, I literally ne- I don't know a thing about I've never read any of it. Whereas at least with Dick Tracy, I had a passing familiarity with it. You know what I mean? I but, had some Phantom comics when I was a kid, and the Phantom used to run actually in the Watertown Daily Times when we were li- when we were re- when we were like elementary school age, and I used to read it then, and it was always very uh, it was kind of creepy to me when I was a little kid. Yeah, you'd think I'd remember that because you know I used to cut the Star Wars strip out, and then for a while they were running the, uh, I forget what it was called. I know it's been reprinted in. Uh, I've got a little one of those tour. I think it's a tour book. Uh huh. It's uh, it's called World's Greatest Superheroes featuring Superman. But I don't oh, know I what the original. Stri- Do you have it? That you yeah. that ran as a strip. Did you know that? Yes, it did. It it, it ran. It was written by Elliot S. Magan and a bunch of other people, and it. It ran, a, a friend of mine gave me, I don't know where he found these, and I don't know where they are right now, but he found a bunch of Sunday strips, like the original Sunday strips that somebody had cut out. He just gave me a pile of them. But what was uh, this was actually like, called? It- the World's Greatest Superheroes. You're absolutely right. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I didn't think that was the name of the strip, but I knew that that's mm-hmm. what it had been reprinted as, so that's cool. But yeah, I like that. I so, thought that was really good. But I don't, I don't remember the Phantom. But there were a lot of strips that ran that I can remember walks. them being there. But I don't remember reading them. You know, like uh, the one with the girl detective. There, they ended up making the movie with Brooke Shields, and then I think shelved it. I don't Brenda even Star, Star. Brenda Star. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, which had uh, yeah. Timothy Dalton in it. We had oh, we had oh, that's right. We had the we also had the running soap opera strip with the um with the nosy old advice lady, advice columnist lady. Do you, do you remember that one, Scott? It was terrible. No. Mary Worth? Mary Worth, exactly. No, I didn't that's remember that. It. I mean, if it if it wasn't Star Wars superheroes <laughs> or like peanuts, then I didn't right. read it. I didn't read them either, wow. but I just remember seeing them every day, and those were the ones that I drew mustaches on and stuff I'm, like I'm that. I'm sorry, you <laughs> right. struck me as Bloom County fans, so I guess I was wrong about that. We didn't get Bloom County in in Watertown. We got it in the Sunday paper, and I did like I did like Bloom County a lot. So. I didn't get it. I, I you know I wasn't political as a kid, so I, all that just went all over me. I can remember well, I being always, in. And I always thought Bloom yeah. County was like the non-political version of Doonesbury. I remember yeah. like the art of it. Was, <laughs> well, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Is Doonesbury yeah. was a political one, but oh, but yes. but Bloom County started out having a more Doonesbury drawing style, but it evolved into a more Calvin and Hobbesy sort of yeah. organic style as it went on. But it was pretty. 
it was like it would make fun of pop culture, but it wasn't really. That was like Billy and the Boingers and stuff like that. They did some Star Trek humor. They did some mm-hmm. Star Wars humor. You know, stuff like that. So they did a lot. Like I remember, they had a running gag with the Penguin in a in a Starfleet uniform. You know. Yeah, they, they would they play. would constantly do Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Berkey Breathhead or however you pronounce his name had a had a geeky side to him. Uh, but, and it came out every once in a while. Well, you could tell mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes that the the artist from that had a good you know um nerd side to him to it would have a lot of su- that had a little more superhero feel to it like superheroes and um what was that called little nemo in slumberland feel to it too but uh batman yes <laughs> <laughs> as i ham-fistedly bring us back to the point hey that's we're, we're, um, I guess uh, what's Luke... next month? Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't even thought of that. You know what I could do? I, 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 I don't know if this is fair for me to uh, volunteer anything, but it is something. It's something that I'm not familiar with, at least. Let me um. Let me just pull it off my shelf. Oh, I just remembered. I I did get a new comic this month. I'm I'm looking at it now. I'll mention it in a few minutes. And this is another freebie I got. What about uh, Starman, Sins of the Father? Oh, Is that something that you guys have that you could... uh... I know nothing about it. But we just did a vault of... Seven issues? I, I believe this is the, the first, when when I opened it up and looked at it, I think whatever this is, this is the beginning of it, so. I uh, I don't know how Scott feels. I, I'd be up for that. Is it good? Is that the first, that's the first chapter, right? I believe so. Yeah. I, I'd be very curious for your opinion on that. The only problem I can foresee is that I don't remember if the first chapter really, really gives you the the, the gist the, of it. It does. Yeah, you know what it I mean. Does, does it? Oh, okay. It does. It, uh, Robinson establishes that world pretty damn quick. Um, the cooler elements take a while to build up to, but that first story is freaking amazing. Well, maybe so. it'll maybe it'll get me hooked, and by the time, you know, in a month, I can read a lot of comics in a month. So I might be, you know, if this, uh, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about this for years. So, so I, you know, I may get into those good parts by the time we get to comics monthly Monday next year. I'm telling you, dude, when, when you get into it and, and, and especially when you start learning about the star man of 1951 and the mystery of who he was, when they finally reveal that, it's just like holy crap. That's good. So I like I like stuff like that. Usually, stuff like that people fizzle out on when they build stuff up to reveals. You know what I mean? So I, I like the, a good one. The only time Robinson was ever slow with that book was uh, when he went off to space for like a thousand issues. Uh, other than that. See, I I completely disagree. I loved that. Really? I, I thought, okay. 
Yeah, and typically I dread that sort of thing. Like every time like the X-Men would go into space, uh-huh. I'd be like, oh, I can tune out for the next 24 issues, you know? Because they're going to come back to Earth and it's just going to be pick up where you left off. Yeah, well, plus, you know, I, I never find the cosmic stuff terribly interesting, but for a change, I felt like he, he basically did the impossible by me, which was he made the cosmic stuff really interesting, and I, I enjoyed it. Because there was one issue that, uh, you know, spoiler, it, it ends with Jack dead. And I was like, how the hell are you possibly going to, you know, wh- what's going to happen? You know, I mean, it's it's that sort of thing. And it was it was great. You know, it, it I, I liked that a lot that what I what I fear, though, is that, you know, we're, we're going to do this and I, I'm going to reread that first chapter. And then, you know, I've been wanting to reread that series for years now. That's what will end up happening. I'll end up having to reread Read the, the whole entire thing. series because yeah, once I start, I'll I'll just have to keep going. Here's here, but it is it's, it's great. Here's a tough question: What about the Freaky Five for next month? Oh, um, do we want do we want to like? I'm totally unprepared at the moment for what the next one is. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't even think of it. We we will do one, but I, I at the moment I don't remember what the next one is. Let's take okay, or we could take we could take suggestions off the forum. I love it. What an informal show. What an unorganized but entertaining show. I thought. Well, it wasn't meant to be this way, and I do apologize because I feel like I have thrown a major mm-hmm. monkey wrench into the. I've works. been enjoying picturing like Scotty sitting at the computer and doing the show while you're like bustling around in the background, going, "God damn it, <laughs> Ramaphat." <laughs> It's just, you know, it's got that personal touch to it, you know? <laughs> that family touch is, as, as your son In sits at the computer and you swear like a sailor. and I have not been swearing like a oh, sailor. Oh, that's me and Michael I, that have been surprising. swearing. <laughs> yeah, well, and I feel bad about it, but at the same time, I'm like, Scott's his dad. Oh, he's, he's heard worse from his dad. Yeah. <laughs> Breakfast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want us to be... You know, I, I think so far with the the Get Chris to Read segment, I think we've been very uh, balanced as far as, you know, we haven't been too heavy on one particular, you know, sure, genre. it's all pretty much the same genre, but we haven't been too heavy on one particular character or one particular company, I don't think anyway. I mean, if we have, I it's haven't still heard still a relatively new... Um, right, this is true. We'll see how it plays out over the course of years. But I do want to throw out a suggestion. I mean, it, uh, you know, I, it doesn't necessarily have to be within the next, you know, two or three uh, uh, segments. But eventually, I would like to kind of, I'd, I'd kind of like to get what I consider to be the other half, and in my opinion, the better half of the story. I'd like to uh, throw out the suggestion for Batman Year Two. Personally, oh, okay. I enjoy that a lot more than Year One. <laughs> And it had a really good sequel to it, too, which was the uh, Full Circle, which I thought was uh, just about on par with uh, with Year 2. So, yeah, eventually. Yes, okay, so here we go. Going away from Comics Monthly Monday, we figured out what we're going to do next month, which is Chris is going to read some Starman comics. We're going to pick a top five, and you don't know what it is because we don't know what it is, and there will be uh. more comic talk. I promised I will do a review of my brand new, I have no idea what to think of this or what, what is up with it, but I have a brand new Rick Veitch 9-11 comic book that involves oh time travel 
called yeah. The Big Lie. So I can't wait to see what happens in this. I'm I'm half afraid and half in total suspense. But hear about it next month because you're going to tune in. Because you're tuning in now and you're hooked. We just gave you synthetic heroin. You're now an addict. <laughs> <laughs> the first Two True Freaks is always free. This is Two True Freaks. This is your brain on Two True Freaks. Any questions? You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com. 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email 2 True Freaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. Freaks.